Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today we're talking about an inspiring American suffragist. She was a skilled political strategist and a peace advocate. Let's talk about Carrie Chapman Catt. Carrie Lane was born on January 9, 1859 in Wisconsin, the second of her parents' three children. When she was six years old, Carrie's family moved to a farm near Charles City, Iowa at the close of the Civil War. Growing up, Carrie was a voracious reader, often memorizing and reciting entire columns in the paper. Carrie said she became a suffragist at a very young age when she learned that her mother lacked the same voting rights as her father. Carrie later said, it was fate, not a career that took me in charge. I could never forget that rank injustice to my mother. I verily believe I was born a suffragist. Carrie enrolled at Iowa State University in 1877, where she was the only woman in her graduating class. She worked her way through school by washing dishes and serving as a librarian's assistant. Carrie also enjoyed extracurricular activities. She was the first female student to give an oration before a debating society and helped start military drills for girls. After graduation, Carrie began working as a teacher and principal. At 24 years old, she became Mason City School Superintendent. She was one of the first women to be appointed to such a position. Two years later, she married newspaper publisher Leo Chapman. Leo died of typhoid fever the following year. After a period of grieving, Carrie began working at a newspaper in San Francisco. In 1887, Carrie returned to Iowa and joined the Iowa Woman's Suffrage Association. She worked as a lecturer and writer. Four years after her first husband's death, she married engineer George W. Catt, who she'd first met in college. Around that time, Carrie also became active in the National American Woman Suffrage Association. She became head of field organizing in 1895, and five years later, she succeeded Susan B. Anthony as president. Because of her stellar speaking and writing skills, she became known as a leading suffragist. In 1904, Carrie resigned as president of the National American Woman Suffrage Association to care for her sick husband. He died in October 1905, starting a succession of deaths in Carrie's life, including Susan B. Anthony in 1906, and her younger brother William and her mother in 1907. Friends encouraged a grief-stricken Carrie to spend time abroad, so she spent the next nine years advocating for equal suffrage globally as president of the International Woman Suffrage Alliance. In 1915, at the request of many suffragists, Carrie returned to the U.S. and resumed leadership of the National American Woman Suffrage Association, which at the time was divided over suffrage strategies. At that point, just a few states had granted women the right to vote. Carrie famously said in 1916, the time for woman suffrage has come. The woman's hour has struck. Under her leadership, several critical states approved women's suffrage, including New York, in 1917. The next year, President Woodrow Wilson changed his stance on suffrage and supported a national constitutional amendment. The amendment was passed by Congress in 1919 and was ratified by the states and officially added to the Constitution 100 years ago last month, in August of 1920. 
many attest this triumph to Carrie's imaginative and resourceful leadership. Soon after, Carrie reorganized the suffrage association into the League of Women Voters to work for strengthening progressive legislation throughout the country. In the 1920s, Carrie was an active international peace advocate. At the start of World War I, she joined with Jane Addams to organize the Women's Peace Party. During the interwar period, she worked for refugee relief efforts and child labor protection laws. In 1933, in response to Hitler's rise to power, Carrie organized a signed letter of over 9,000 non-Jewish American women condemning repressive laws against German Jews. She pressured the U.S. government to ease immigration restrictions for Jews fleeing Germany. For her work, Carrie became the first woman to receive the American Hebrew Medal. After World War II, Carrie actively used her influence to have qualified women placed on certain UN commissions. On March 9, 1947, Carrie died of heart failure in New York. She donated her entire estate to Iowa State, her alma mater. Carrie gained praise for her work both during and after her lifetime. She was featured on the cover of Time magazine in 1926 and received the Pictorial Review Award for her work in international disarmament in 1930. In 1941, Eleanor Roosevelt gave Carrie the Chi Omega Award at the White House. In 1992, Carrie was honored as one of the 10 most important women of the century by the Iowa Centennial Memorial Foundation. Today, Carrie's childhood home in Iowa has been converted into a museum honoring her legacy and the history of the women's suffrage movement. All month, we're talking about activists. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. And follow me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Tune in tomorrow for a special bonus episode brought to you by the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission. The Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission and the U.S. Senate designated August as National Women's Suffrage Month, a month-long celebration honoring the history of women's fight for the vote. They have a nonpartisan mission to ensure that Americans across the country have the opportunity to participate in the centennial and to learn about this important but often overlooked history. To learn more about the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission and its initiatives, tune in to bonus episodes releasing every weekend this month on Womanica and head to www.womensvote100.org. Talk to you tomorrow!